So probably a bad move on my part. I holstered, holstered my gun and I got closer to him and talked to him and tried to calm him down. And uh, at the time I don't anymore, but I had pretty quick reflexes. And I, I decided to, uh, when he got the gun in a certain position that I would disarm him. I felt confident enough where I could do that. He did something goofy, but looked away from me. And I grabbed him, grabbed where I got a hold of the gun, and I took a chance. In 1985, Mark Baker wrote Cops, Their Lives in Their Own Words. And uh, that book basically turned into a TV show. And as the, the son of a cop, you know, I got to hear the stories of my dad and his coworkers while I was growing up. He started, he started as a police officer in like 72 or 73. And these stories were amazing to me. They were always hilariously funny. They were never, you know, they were never horrifying or anything like that. But the police story is verbal. You know, it gets told in bars, at parties. And whether it's embellished, whether it's not, whether it's true, you know, it's always got some hint of hint of truth to it. And um, like these, these stories, they're fascinating. They're heroic. Um, it shows the best of people. It shows the worst of people. And that's why, you know, I wanted to do this. I've wanted to do this podcast and actually rewrite this book for a long time. So the first person we talked to was actually my dad. We call him patient zero because of him being a role model and the people that he worked with being a role model. I mean, he's the reason that I was a cop, wanted to be a cop. And he's the reason my brother's a cop today. So we've been working at uh, this for a year, trying to get people on tape, people that we knew um, to tell stories. And, and this is the first one. So I hope you liked it. He started as a cop in 1973. And it's interestingly similar to what's going on today in 2020. It's, uh, it's, it's amazing. Um, times are different, but they're the same. Hope you enjoy. Two Adam 22, two Adam 11, and two Adam 12 regarding a gunshot wound victim at 333 North 58th Street. 333 North 58th Street. Shots fired in the cafeteria at Thurston High School. Um, what kind of stuff has changed, like from when you started to when you retired? Well, one of the, one of the biggest things was technology changed quite a bit. It, uh, uh, it started changing, and the uh, police work in general started to change where it became more of a public. Well, the time that I started in is kind of like it is in present day where a lot of people didn't like police officers. And uh, nationwide, there was a lot of police officers that were... Uh, that were being being killed, and uh, so it wasn't really a particularly popular time to uh, 
to be a public public servant. And technology changes, like when we when I started out, the uh, uh, only radio that you had was the police car radio, and the uh, portable radio that we had at the time was like 20, 20 some pounds, and it was a civil defense radio that uh, <laughs> that was given to the department, and then sometimes it was used used as in a second patrol car as a second radio. So and that went on for like uh, I want to say uh, five five plus years, and then we finally got uh, portable radios, but there are only two of them, and they were they were uh, small, but they were heavy. And then this thing started getting smaller and smaller and more more portable use out of them, or better use, I should say. How heavy do you think those first ones were? I'd say they were like five pounds. Four, four or five pounds. I could be wrong, but four or five pounds. Okay. And then compared to something more modern, it'd be like way under a pound. Yeah. So would you clip that five pound radio on your belt when you get out and go to calls? Or just leave it in the car? Left it in the car. <laughs> I almost want to say, I can't exactly remember. I want to say it was almost like an old CB radio, small radio. And that was, it was very cumbersome. So did you ever, uh, did you ever find yourself in a in a bad spot and uh, you needed a cover car? But what what did you do? Well, yeah, more than once, and the uh, the dispatcher was supposed to. If they didn't hear anything out of you from within ten minutes. Yeah, you know, they were supposed to. Like with my agency, if I worked night times after a certain hour, I was the only guy that was on. Or the other, or somebody on on the same shift was the only person on. They only had one one person per shift, and uh, and if the dispatcher didn't hear anything out of you after ten minutes, they had to call somebody from home to come out and check on you. One time during the daytime, uh, there was a domestic uh, uh, type disturbance not too far away from the uh, from the police department. And uh, I was the only officer on, and when I got there, uh, I could see that the male subject was uh, hurting the female subject quite badly, and she was quite uh, quite scared. And so I told the guy that he was under arrest, and he says, there's no way you're taking me to jail. So we ended up getting into a knock-knock down, drag-out fight and uh he, actually he was a pretty powerful guy he ended up ripping my badge off my shirt and uh i kept telling the woman and the, of the, the the victim to call the police department well this wasn't happening and for whatever reason the dispatch i don't know if they tried to get a hold of me or not but i think like 20 minutes passed or it seemed like 20 minutes plus and uh you know, I was reach. I was getting pretty exhausted, but I I was on top of the guy and somewhat controlling him. And uh, finally, somebody, another officer, showed up to give me assistance. So <laughs> I was one. I was wondering toward the end of it if I was going to make it or not. <laughs> so, so <laughs> and then another time when I was working graveyard, uh, I went to some sort of disturbance call. And I was again uh, 
man and a woman and uh, got in there. And this was a time when uh, possession of uh, marijuana plants and all that was a felony still. So they had all kinds of plants in the house. So, uh, but this time the dispatcher was on the mall and got somebody there within a very short period of time and took the guy into custody and then uh, took a lot of marijuana plants out of the house. So. <laughs> Something you don't even get a ticket for now. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you sure don't. But uh, those are just a couple of examples of that. Okay. Is there anything that you could get away with back in the day that you couldn't towards the end of your career? <laughs> well. Or anything that you did get away with? <laughs> Would it be harder to get away with? Statute of limitations, Rob. <laughs> yeah. Well, not to say that I ever did this, but sometimes when you had a, a non-desirable in the town that was causing problems and so forth, I've heard about this, but I, I don't think I've ever participated in it. <laughs> that uh, you'd kind of offer the guy a ride and uh, you'd take him to the next town or whatever. It's like straight out of a straight out of Rambo. Well, yeah, it could be, but uh, <laughs> you know, and then sometimes you would uh, see another agency car driving through your town and all of a sudden this, this undesirable person would show up. So <laughs> that kind of happened from time to time. <laughs> that I heard, that I heard about. <laughs> so I probably be construed as kidnapping or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. Well, what, you started in 73. <clears throat> so back then you could shoot fleeing felons. You could, and I never did anything like that, but uh, we had an officer, or an op uh, he was from a different agency, and uh, I can't remember the exact story, but at any rate, uh, and you got to remember, we had revolvers back then, that he, he emptied his revolver shooting at the guy, and, uh, and, uh, and he missed him. All six shots missed missed the guy. So this this guy, out of frustration, threw his revolver at the guy. <laughs> yeah. We always we always made fun of that guy for, for doing that. So but so yeah, there, back in the day, I guess you could do that kind of stuff and kind of get away with it. But uh, it was kind of Kind of frowned upon, but uh, some agencies still got away with it. So, <laughs> and uh, that was that reminds me of another time when we had a burglary, and uh, we had information that the guys that were doing these burglaries were armed. So, uh, saw the guy pop out of the window, told him told him to halt. And he just ran, ran faster. So I had a shotgun, right? So I fired a shotgun up in the air. Well, that guy took off faster. <laughs> so, and uh, that was quite a, quite an experience. That, that kind of scared me because I, you know, took a sh shot up in the air and I thought, oh boy, 
all hell's going to break loose now. <laughs> so, but somehow I think my, uh, my super, one of my supervisors, uh, stood up for me and, and told him that was, so I did something so I didn't get in any trouble for it, but by the skin of my teeth. <laughs> so I think it scared the hell out of the other officers that were on the other end of the building. <laughs> so, so. And I was always doing goofy stuff like that. One, one time we had a pursuit, the, that one one uh, gentleman always, that, my friend that always rode with me, uh, we got in the pursuit with a motorcycle. And uh, it went uh, out of town at a high rate of speed. And uh, for whatever reason, this guy decides to uh, slow down and make a turn in the middle of the roadway. Well, I felt, man, there's my opportunity to do that, to uh, stop this pursuit right here. So I hit him with my uh, bumper because it had push bars on it, and he went ass over tea kettle. So, you know, I rode all this in my port, and I didn't, I didn't hear anything out of it. I didn't get in any trouble or anything. <laughs> so one, one of the other guys, not maybe three weeks or something like that, later does the same thing. Yeah, boy, did he... <laughs> Got in all kinds of trouble for that. <laughs> you got, uh, I think he got a letter in his file and and everything, but I, but I looked out, so <laughs> I didn't get in trouble. So you remember the last guy you choked out? No, oh, geez, <laughs> I do. I think that. Uh, there was a disturbance. There was a disturbance call, and these guys were just just gone gone bonkers. I think they were wanna wanna be type gangsters, gangster people, and uh, the officers that were there they weren't doing anything, and these guys were just uh, or they didn't know what to do, and these guys were just causing all kinds of trouble. And this one guy was just, uh, he was hurting himself and and uh, everything. So I just kind of reached up and put a sleeper hold on him and handcuffed him to a tree. <laughs> 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 and and uh, then there was this civilian, civilian uh, lady who was, was nearby. And I says, will you please keep an eye on this guy to make sure he's okay and kind of talk to him. From a distance and try to keep him calm, and uh, so I think I I choked out two other people because they were just they were bonkers and uh, like in the same place, same place, yeah. <laughs> the the uh, you choked out three people on the same call. I did. That's <laughs> because the, that was the last one that you choked somebody out. <laughs> I did because the other officers were standing there with their. Uh, I don't know what, but they weren't doing their jobs. You can so. you can say thumbs up their asses. Oh, I can. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I was kind of uh, ticked off. So yeah. <laughs> so I put an end to the disturbance call. <laughs> so 
you remember any situations you were in like that where you didn't know what to do? Yeah, it was when I first started out. You know, I didn't. Uh, you know, I I had lot good training from from my agency, and I had good good officers that were with my tra- with with my agency training me. But I was still so re- really green. So yeah, there was different instances where I didn't know what to do. So not really an answer to your question, but I I think I was still a reserve officer at the time and. I was riding with one of the officers, and there was a uh, armed robbery that occurred at. Uh, um, it was an old old gas station that was at the. We called it the West End of Town, and it was always getting robbed or burglarized or something. At any rate, these they got uh, it got burglarized, and somehow I think somebody got the license plate thing, and the car was found in uh, Lafayette. So, and somehow I got locked in the back of the patrol car and I was trying to get people to let me out so I could get in, get in on part, part of the action. And, uh, uh, finally somebody let me out and they found the suspect, but, uh, he was acting like he was, uh, passed out in, in the back of the car. So they were trying to, trying to roust him out of there and, I just had to be part of this, this this arrest, so I grabbed around his legs to help pull him out of the car. And about that time, I got kicked right in the nose by, <laughs> by this guy. So that, that was a hard lesson right there. So anyway, but uh, yeah, people, you know, you always when you start out, there's always situations that you don't know quite what to do. But I was always told to taught to ask or get hold of somebody that might have the answers, you know, if if it was all possible. Otherwise, you just kind of had to fake it until you until you got through it. Mm. Is it true you got written up for taking not not wearing your hat? Well, I wasn't really written up, but I was in my uh, form that they sent to the police academy. It was right wearing a hat was uh, still part of the old. Uh, the old uh, thinking of the uh, police agencies that you had to wear wear a hat, and the hat that we had was like a, we used to call them a bus driver hat or a, a taxi cab driver hat. I, I think mean, they I think they still call them that. Do they? Well, they were they were they were just really funky looking, and so I just hated wearing the thing. And uh, uh, one. I, and one of my mentors who ended up being uh, my super, one of my supervisors, there was an alarm at one of the drugstores, and I, I was chosen to go in and clear the inside of the drugstore, and, and the uh, other people were standing on the outside of it. So I, I cleared the drugstore, but I didn't have my hat on. And so I got in trouble for that. I didn't didn't get written up for it. And every time my one supervisor saw me, I didn't have my hat on. Like, you were supposed to have your hat on when you made a traffic stop and this, that, and the other thing. And I just, you know, I just, I think there's still some agencies that require. Oh, you mean like Oregon State Police? Let's yeah. just like, let's just throw them under the bus right okay, now. Okay, we'll throw them under the bus. <laughs> so, 
At any rate, they sent my uh, form in to, uh, it was a form you had to send in to be, be certified for your basic certificate for a police officer. So they, they sent that in and I, I saw it, saw it, the form that they sent because I had to sign it and said, uh, this officer is a good officer, but he fails to wear his hat. <laughs> this officer is a good officer, but he fails to wear his hat. And that was throughout the uh, forum. So I thought, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is really something here. So, and uh, so I, uh, so they sent it back and they sent a letter to the department. Uh, we, no longer feel that that is a necessity thing for police officers to always wear their hat because times are changing. <laughs> so uh, that kind of became the norm. I kind of broke broke the department's hat, hat habit, <laughs> especially with those stupid uh, <laughs> taxi cab hats. <laughs> so. And then another time it was when the they used to when tape recorders were becoming popular to tape record different things and you know the different training I went to they kind of stressed that to have tape recorders well I thought that was a good idea so I think I spent my own money to buy a tape recorder and uh so I was tape recording like drunk drivers and this that, and the other thing, you know, the field sobriety test and all that. And why did I get in trouble for that? It hasn't been approved by the agency yet. Da 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 da. Then pretty soon, I think the district attorney's office and other people said, "Damn, what a good idea that is." <laughs> so. I was always getting in trouble for things like that. <laughs> for so, being innovative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I thought it was a good idea. Just, you know, just like another officer and myself, we thought it was, the department wasn't buying at the time, but they had, that's when the body armor started coming out in the 70s, I think, late 70s. So when you started, you didn't have any body armor? No, they didn't. Okay. So, so, no, well, no, I don't think they did. But it was a second chance stuff, and it was rather heavy. But uh, another officer, my, myself, uh, I bought it out of our own money. And we didn't get paid very much that, at that time. So we uh, bought that and started wearing it. And then pretty soon it became a norm for the, for the department to, to have body armor, and they finally started buying it, so... Just things like that. <laughs> we used to call the, the other guy Iron Shorts because he had a pair of that went over his. Oh, is that right? Over his junk, yeah. <laughs> so we'd call him Iron Shorts. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> Those are just a few things. So you had to buy. Did you have to buy your own leather too? That's right. Yeah. Yep. That's you had why. to buy your own gun, your own leather. Yep. Your boots, probably. Those are all issued now, aren't they? Yes, they are. Yeah. Most yeah. of the time. Except for boots. Uh, Maybe. I don't know. Oh, that was another thing. I got, well, they, you had to wear uh, some sort of a leather boot. They were kind of like a cowboy boot. 
But in the summertime, like my feet would just bake in them and my feet would just get uh, scaly and that. So I thought to myself, the heck with this. So I bought a pair of uh, high top uh, shoes, black shoes and started wearing them, them and uh, with blue socks. And uh, I think they were aware of it, but they didn't didn't really see anything. <laughs> so, but it, they finally changed the dress code. But I just decided that I wasn't going to ruin my feet for them. <laughs> so so I, I squeaked by on that one. I think it's because one of the uh, older <coughs> older sergeants uh, wore wore those type of shoes. So. He didn't. He'd do the same thing. Well, yeah. Well, he was a he was a great big man, and he just uh, that was more comfortable more comfortable for him. And I think that's where he got the idea. I saw his shoes. I thought, well, if he can do it, I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So he he worked the schools. It would have been like in the seventies, and he worked the schools till he retired, didn't he? He did. Yes. For yeah, for most of his career. And what, how did he, so, I mean, that's like, that's probably more innovative than, I mean, they rethought this, oh, good idea, we'll put school resource officers in the schools, but you guys were doing it back in the 70s. Or I, actually, I think Jim was actually the first uh, resource officer, and then uh, the sergeant had been involved in a very, very bad accident, which ruined his, ruined his health, but the department kept him on, so they put him into the school resource position and he he was on the look look magazine or post or something like that uh on the cover of it and uh, yeah it was a i think our agency was one of the first ones to do that the sergeant he did an outstanding job with that because he was such a big man until little little kids you know he was a he was a giant and he had to he was very gentle and kind and had their attention. So, and as those kids became, became adults, you know, they looked up to him and, and, uh, I think he changed a lot of lives. So. That's good. That's cool. Yeah. Um, didn't you, uh, wrestle a gun out of somebody's hands a couple of times? Yeah, I did. <laughs> it's just one of those things. Like once or twice? Well, was, it more, was it more than once? I did it more than once, but I think I was only rec I was recognized for department wise one time, I think. Okay. So tell me about that. Well, there was another uh domestic type call where the uh guy <laughs> The guy wanted to commit uh, suicide, and uh, um, he was he was just bouncing off the walls, and we were trying to get him calm. But when we first got there, there was no no gun in sight or anything, and uh, and then pretty soon he took off on foot and left left the area, and we were trying to sec secure what we had done at the location and trying to calm everybody, but he somehow got past the officers and back into the house and uh, ended up along that, grabbing a gun 
Yeah. And uh, was threatening to uh, shoot himself or shoot other people. And uh, it just uh, was one of those situations that was really deteriorating quickly. So probably a bad move on my part. I holstered, holstered my gun and his wife was kind of out of control and told one of the officers to take her and out of the situation so it wouldn't, wouldn't escalate things. More so with her screaming and yelling at, uh, at the guy. And uh, holstered my gun and got a little closer to him and talking to him. And I knew, knew my backup officer was, uh, he was at the time one of the top uh, shots in the, in the state. And I felt comfortable with him backing me up and told him to cover me. And I got closer to him and talked to him and tried to calm him down. And uh, I, at the time I don't anymore, but I had pretty quick reflexes and I, I decided to, uh, when he got the gun in a certain position, that I would disarm him. I felt confident enough where I could do that. And uh, he did something goofy. He looked, looked away from me, and uh, I grabbed him, and grabbed, or I got a hold of the gun, and, and uh, outpowered him and, and uh, held the gun away until I, one of the officers got there to help me completely disarm him. So... But that's not something I'd recommend for for people to do because it could have gone just as just as bad the other way. And I had the opportunity to shoot him, shoot him a couple of times because uh, he kind of uh, during the, during part of the time he had pointed the gun in uh, in my direction. But I knew that. Uh, I knew from the family background and the guy that he was uh, kind of a coward, cowardly type person, and he didn't have the balls to maybe not take himself out. And but he wanted somebody else to do it, and I didn't want to have the uh, uh, people with me responsible for that. So I took a chance. And. It turned out okay. Worked out, and that was before tasers and all that stuff, right? Uh, I'm not sure if we had tasers at that time. I don't. I don't recall if we did or not. Yeah, I don't, maybe not. But, but, uh, yeah, it was just. Uh, it was a judgment call on my part, and I lived to talk about it, and so did he. And then the whole family, and the, the tragic part of it was that the whole family who our family knew that uh, they turned against us and thought that we were bad guys out of the whole thing. So huh. I always thought that kind of sucked and left a bitter taste in my mouth. Now that's a bad thing about policing a small, small town where you know everybody. Yes, it is very bad. So, you know, my town or the community which I worked in was uh, went from a very small town to like, I think when I joined the agency it was like uh, maybe five, five people. And uh, it was five cops. I think so. 
five or six. Wow. What is it now? I want to say it's uh, total personnel, probably. It's I'm not sure. Over 60? And there's not that many officers, but personnel and stuff. So, like the dispatchers, you know, they, they still, I think they still do it, but they're, you know, they did dispatching, plus they had to do their paperwork or filing fine and different things. And, and, uh, did a lot of, did a lot of different things. So, and when we had a female pris- prisoner sometimes that, uh, they got the, the job of, uh, checking the female prisoner to make sure they didn't have any weapons or anything. So we were very, uh, at least I was trained to be very cautious about, you know, how you handled the, the other, a female person. So where you, where you heard about other agencies getting themselves into trouble because an officer did something stupid or whatever, you know, but, uh, I, I, when I joined, it was a time that uh, police work was changing from, uh, I don't know how to explain it, from the old times to it was progressing into a more modern modern times. Equipment was a changing, constantly changing. Uh, tactics were, were constantly changing. I think at that time, Los Angeles... Los Angeles Police Department, I think, was one of the agencies that uh, did a lot of changing for for a lot of the agencies on the West Coast and, and other areas. It was kind of, at that time it was kind of a role role model. A lot of a lot of things changed. Yeah, it seems like the seventies were like compared to now, at least, were like the uh, the wild west of policing compared to now. Well, during just in how radically everything has changed. Well, I would say in the in the sixties, sixty or the late sixties, that's the time when the drugs, more drugs, started to become more prevalent. You know, like LSD and and uh, other drugs, marijuana, uh, was becoming more more prevalent. And so you had uh, agencies that started like the drug task force. And those people that were involved, or the generation, I guess my generation that was involved in that, partaking in the LST and all that, was was starting to be anti uh, anti government. So there was a lot of uh, uh, a lot of stress stress in that. There was a lot of resentment from the uh, from different cultures and backlashes, and so, some of those cultures had. Uh, were pretty radical and they did things to uh, to cause problems and that's when you started having a lot of officers uh, killed throughout the United States you know it's kind of kind of made a full circle in doing that again it's almost like the way it is right now yes very much so so hopefully that will change again Usually a lot of that stuff is not that it's always blamed on the cops, but it's usually one one or two co- police officers that do something really stupid that uh, causes hate and grief for the rest, rest of the uh, police agencies. Because I think you'll find that uh, in general, you've got some very dedicated, outstanding people out there throughout the nation that 
want to do good. It's just a very small majority of people that make it bad for the rest of the rest of the people involved in, in law enforcement. So at least that's my take on it. What's it like having influenced at least three people to be cops? <laughs> All of them pretty close to you. <clears throat> well, I think it's uh, very cool. It causes strong emotions sometimes. I would say I'm very proud of them, but I'm also very scared for them, too. But very, very proud. So, sorry. So what's the funniest thing that ever happened? Actually, I've got a question for you. What's So you kept telling me what it means, but so what's that Goya and Gid thing that was over the dispatch window? Remember that? I would say, what's that mean? And you'd say, it means bend over, here it comes again. <laughs> I still, to this day, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> well, I think it was a, it must have been a Navy term or something that somebody put up there. Bend over here, it comes again. You're going to get stuck in the ass or get, <laughs> or the shit rolls. I guess it's, the shit uh, rolls down, you know, you know, it's never the, the brass or anybody else's or the t people in their tops fault. It's always the, uh, the, the, uh, Patrolman or somebody else, so they always blame the little guy. I think that's true, and with everything, you know, <laughs> business, you know, the little guy always gets blamed. So somebody put that up there. Bend over here, it comes again. Because if anybody did that, something that was questionable, or a city council person got upset about, you know, that the trouble rolled downhill. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think that's where that came from. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, how many attaboys did you get? Well, I got a few. I got also other things that took my attaboys away from me. Oh, those no shits. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those real <were old> shits. <laughs> so, all right. Should we wrap this thing up? Yeah, you got anything else? Want fifty-five minutes? Yeah, sounds good to me. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> the Snitch Podcast is dedicated to preserving the verbal stories of modern-day police officers, your lives in your own words. If you are interested in being a part of this multimedia project, please contact us at thesnitchpodcast at gmail.com.